Welcome to the Open Door Podcast. My name is Okuyame Mensa. I also respond to Aqua and Ikya. I'm a certified executive and leadership coach, recognized facilitator, and former startup leader that loves supporting reluctant, firefighting, and overwhelmed leaders. I work with them to help them clarify where they should focus their time and energy each and every day so that they can love themselves, love their work, and ultimately love their life. If you're looking to learn leadership information and hear different perspectives, you are in the right place. My aim in this podcast is to help you see that one of the most productive and profitable things you can do is deeply understand yourself, understand how you show up, understand how you thrive, and then allow yourself to align everything in your work, in your life, and in your business to support that. Think of this podcast as your weekly opportunity to receive leadership support. And remember, there is no one right way to lead yourself or others. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Open Door Conversations podcast. This conversation I'm sharing today is so important to me. It's so important because I recorded it at a point where I was incredibly angry. I've spent a lot of 2020 and also I would say quite a bit of 2021 angry. And I love this conversation because so much of what my guest shares really resonates. She shares her story about how she's a recovering corporate warrior, nicknamed Little Ball of Rage, to where she is now. In this conversation, we break down how you can use anger as a teacher, and she shares some of her favorite lessons from her new book, really focused on teaching you how to leverage anger and how to recognize that anger is usually tied to other feelings. But that anger is usually a lot more comfortable for us to feel than shame or disappointment or embarrassment. We also cover the importance of building routines and how we never should stop learning. So if you are ready to learn a little bit more about other ways in which you can show up, other ways in which you can feel good about yourself, keep listening. Quick warning, this sound is not perfect, but I promise you, it is worth it. Today, I am joined by a spiritual mentor, author, and transformational speaker, Serena Myers, to talk about dealing with our anger and engaging with our emotions. Serena, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for creating this space. Yes. So for folks who are just meeting you for the first time, could you maybe just share a bit about who you are and what you do? So I am a recovering corporate person who then swung the pendulum so far in the other way that I ended up in first alternative healing, uh, working in neurofeedback and balancing brainwaves of all things. And then I went even further into areas like aromatherapy and then training with angels and mediumship and soul purpose through the Akashic records. I kind of run the entire gamut. So I'm somebody who never stops learning, never stops exploring. And um, my work kind of melds all these worlds together. So everything from my personal path to my professional development, it's all, it's all there. Love it. Absolutely love it. And, you know, one of the ways I guess that we connected or the way that we connected is that we were actually in a, a program together. And so I'd love to hear maybe just a little bit more about, you know, the service that you provide and how you, you support people right now with all the different things that you've done. 
I love that. Thank you. Um, so I would say that I work with the, I, I call them recovering people pleasers. And if we were going to broaden that umbrella a little bit in terms of how they show up in the world, they're the helpers, the healers, and the high achievers who are really wanting to be more soul-driven, more purpose-driven in their lives and sometimes in their businesses, but it's usually in their leadership, whatever that means for them, whether it's you know being on the PTA or even just managing their household um, or whether it is running a business. Um, most of my clients do tend to be either self-employed or are um, or are managing a family and really are finding their identity within that and how they can bring more of themselves to the table, how they can live more fully expressed. And so to do that, it means we have to kind of dig into all the parts that aren't being expressed. We need to look at the things that they want, they need, they feel that maybe they don't want to give themselves permission to or they're ashamed of or other people have told them are not okay. And we have to bring all of that to the surface and embrace it and find a way to make everything permissible. So we have a lot of conversations about things like anger and shame and fear. We um, we also will tap into the most wise and intuitive parts of them so that they can claim that inner knowing for themselves. And I do this both in one-on-one programs and also in group work as well. So it's a, it's a very different teaching dynamic, whether you're doing it by yourself or with people. But either way, people end up living these really transformed lives. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And if someone, you know, was just sort of starting on this journey and started to recognize that, you know, they did maybe want to live and work more aligned with their purpose, what are some of the first things that, that you would suggest they think about or look at? I think the first first thing that happened on my path um, was distinguishing the difference between the voice that I could hear in my head that was super mean and super critical and myself and recognizing that those are not the same thing. And the thing that's really beautiful about that really crappy negative voice is that it starts to show you the parts that you have left to heal. It starts to show you the programming you've received that is not actually your truth. Um, It also kind of shows you the things that you cherish because they'll start to show up in different fear-based things or things that you could lose, right? So if we can take some time to be in observation, for me, I took over a year. I don't really recommend that for most people, especially if they're working with somebody who's guiding them through the process. I did this entirely by myself at that time. If you can take some time to really observe that voice, recognize that it is not truth, just because I always say, don't believe everything you think, (laughs) because that's really what it comes down to. Um, Spending some time in that observation, just taking note and recognizing what is going on. Because when we understand what our biases are, when we understand what we have to get over to get closer to purpose, we're already ahead of the game. In my case, you know, I was trying to do purpose at the same time as this observation piece. And I kept finding myself falling back into my old patterns. So this is when I was in corporate. It's, I knew the work wasn't aligned. Uh, it didn't light me up. My, my, my boss nicknamed me little ball of rage, <laughs> which was like not the best way to live or work. And I knew that, but at the same time, I was, I hadn't, I didn't have the foundation of having confidence in myself and recognizing my gifts and battling my shame. And so every time I would make a step forward, like for instance, I would interview with other companies. As soon as a job offer came on the table, I would run back to what was known and what was safe. So we really need to have a recognition of like what we need to get over so we can build a foundation so that when it is time to move forward, we do so in a really supported way. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much for sharing more about your journey. And I'd love to hear like, are there any tools that people should keep in mind for that observation sort of phase. Um, in addition, you know, so it sounds like you would suggest like working with a coach or working with someone who can help facilitate that process. Are there any other tools or things they can keep in mind? 
I mean, everyone's process is different. I mean, for me, I'm an I'm an auditory processor. I need to talk it out. I need someone to reflect things back to me so that I can hear that and say, like, is that, is that true for me or is that just what I think? Other people who maybe, especially if someone is more introverted, they're not going to want to talk it all out. They really need time and space for themselves to really just ponder it and 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 ruminate and then maybe journal it out. And even extroverts will journal too. Um, what I found most recently that's been really working for me is using art to be able to understand my processes. So even as recently as Sunday, so just a couple of days ago, I was having this really bad day and all these feelings were coming up and I knew I had an, an active trigger that was going on. I couldn't figure out what it was because it wasn't coming through my conscious mind. I sat down and I did a digital collage. And as I started to pull these pieces together, this imagery that was matching what I was feeling, the little light bulb started going off and I could recognize even the root of what the trigger was. So we have to find, there isn't one tool, I guess is what I'm saying. We have to kind of experiment with different ways of how we unpack ourselves, how we even like journalize that process because we want to be able to have something we can come back to to look at our progress especially when we hit those bumps after we've been doing this for a while it's easy to have this belief system of like oh my god I should be over this right now or I can't believe I feel this after all this time and we have to recognize our progress we need to celebrate that so that when the things do come up we can still say okay I'm in it right now look how far I've come. So you need some kind of a record keeping in there, even if that is just somebody to reflect back to you. Hey, but do you remember when this was such a big deal? Look how far you've come. So you need something like that, but you, you really need to kind of find your own way. And sometimes it's trial and error. We really have to sort of just sample things and say, okay, this is the thing that works for me. I love that. Yeah. And, and what, what made you open to trying different things and sort of seeing what worked for you? Because I think that's that's something that I hear at least with a lot of the clients that I tend to attract. Like, oh, some of these other types of modalities seem a little out there. Um, what would you say to people who might be wary or afraid of trying to do something different or esoteric? So I'll tell you this, uh, they are out there. <laughs> like, we're not going to try to like sugarcoat it. They're out there. But here's the question. If what you are doing right now isn't working, are you open to trying something else? Because, you know, I know for me, like I fell into it. I was at a point in my life because of the, the, the childhood that I'd had that was really challenging and always being in the survival mode and then being in this job that I really didn't fit into, but I needed it to pay bills and whatnot. Um, I was hardened. I was really closed off to everything esoteric. And you know, I went into a shamanic ceremony thinking that this is a tool to access my subconscious. I thought of it as like a psychological process, not a spiritual one. And it's what happened to crack me open and let the light in. And then everything else started to fall away. And then that kind of opened up my curiosity to explore all these other things, including a new career that ended up, you know, in these, these natural, weird ways. I can tell you when I sat in for a talk about neurofeedback for the first time, I looked at the, <laughs> the guy who I was with and I was like, this is like science fiction. Like people aren't, really doing this, are they? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to sign up. And I thought he was crazy to entrust his brain in people who were not neuroscientists, who were just regular people like you and me who happened to be trained in this modality. I thought he was completely cuckoo. And then I started to see the changes in him. And sometimes that's what you need. You just need that one person whose life has changed, especially someone that you know personally, that you go, okay, I can trust this wacky thing, or at least consider it because I've seen the impact it's had on somebody that I care about and I trust. Yeah, I love that. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes. I tell people all the time, like I am super skeptical and that you should stay skeptical, but then also open, right? So just like you mm -hmm. mentioned, like if what you're doing right now isn't working, you know, try something different and see what comes from it. Totally. And, you know, I mean, something different might not even be something as crazy as like a shamanic ceremony or neurofeedback. Like something different might be um, a new vitamin or uh, a new eating regime. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's so many different ways that we can come at it. And I think we have to go into what we trust 
and what we have seen works for other people and what we're willing to try. Something you something that you know has evidential proof will work and that someone you know has done it might feel very drastic to you. And so your comfort level isn't there and you're not going to pursue that. And if anything, you might sabotage it if you did, right? If you tried to force yourself through that fear, it's really important that we honor our own innate knowing and our, the wisest part of ourselves that says, yes, this is for me. Even if we don't know what's on the other side of it, sometimes the curiosity is enough. Yeah. And I think that's a really great segue actually to talk about your new book. Um, and I've actually been going through your book because I think that um, talking about anger is just, I think, so interesting. And, and for me, actually, I have a quote up here that I actually wanted to read because for me, this is what I'm trying to remind myself when I get some sort of overwhelming emotion or some sort of overwhelming feeling, but just trying to use it as a teacher. So the quote is, anger will be seen as a teacher, as something that is experienced, not as an identity, not as something to fear. And I, and I love this. I know this is earlier on the book, but for me, I was just like, that's what I want to remind myself <laughs> when I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Can you tell us a little bit about why it was so important for you to put together this book? When I started this book, I was pretty angry at myself. I started it in like 2017, I think, or 2018. I just had a falling out with like half my family. I was cut off. I wasn't talking to anybody and I was feeling really pissed off about it. Like I felt really self-righteous. I had that kind of that rage burning through me. And when I first started writing this book, I was telling these stories in a way of, I don't want to say punishing my family members. There was an element of if they don't want me to write crappy things about them, they shouldn't have behaved crappily. And I don't mean in the moment, I mean like in our past, in our life together. And for a long time of the contents of this book made me uncomfortable even because I knew it always felt bigger than me. It always felt like a conversation that needed to be had, but I had hesitation. It was like, it was causing some tension in my marriage. It was uh, hard for me to even be into because if I was in a good mood, I didn't want to write about anger. But when I was writing from an angry place, I didn't want to do harm either. So I actually shelved this book for a really long time. And at the start of 2020, I started writing a completely different book. And then about maybe two or three months in, so around the time of the pandemic, we started to see these big shifts in the world and conversations started happening that weren't happening before. And I remember when I shelved it, I had this feeling that... Um, that there needed to be this other book first as like a prerequisite to sacred anger. We had to kind of like prime people. But what happened with the pandemic and with the uprising of all these different social rights movements, the world kind of social media in the world did the prerequisites for me. I didn't have to write this other book to ready people. People were suddenly ready to talk about anger because they recognized it within themselves. And then it became something of, oh, how can I use this for good? Why does this have to be so uncomfortable? And no one was having that conversation. All the other books that were written were about like, how do you transmute it? How do you release it? How do you manage anger? And I'm going, how do you listen to anger? <laughs> how do you see what it's, why it's even here and what it wants to show you? How can you embrace it as a teacher? And yeah, then send it on its way, but be with it long enough to actually extract the lesson in the first place. Yeah. And, and so for people who are just starting on this journey to wanting to engage with their anger, um, can you share some some advice for them? I think the first thing you're going to want to do is be willing to be uncomfortable because uh, this is not something that you're used to doing. It's not something you've been trained to do. And sometimes it gets really ugly before it gets really, really, really beautiful and powerful. When you're in the space where you're like, okay, I'm ready for the discomfort, um, then it becomes an opportunity to lean in. When you get angry or when you're confronted with someone else's anger, rather than cutting and running, which is like the way we normally interact, otherwise we would actually bow down and actually fight back. We want to say, okay, great. So this is happening. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be in this discomfort. I'm not gonna shy away from it. I'm gonna lean in. 
and actually allow yourself to feel it. Don't judge yourself for it. Be really unattached, almost curious, like, okay, how does this feel in my body? Where does this feel in my body? What is this bringing up for me right now? Where have I experienced this before? And oftentimes, the things that we think we're angry about are not the things we're angry about at all. Um, the other one I really like is, uh, what else? Yes, I'm angry. What else? Because it's rarely just anger. It's often anger and frustration and disappointment, anger and sadness, anger and feeling rejected. All these like things that are tend to be tied to like our littlest selves that didn't have a need met. Now it expresses itself in this way that as uncomfortable as it is, is more comfortable to feel than vulnerability or fear or disappointment. So it's really asking questions and being really willing to be with it. Um, and then once, once you've done that, once you've honored the space and you've given it the time and the energy and the grace to just be expressed and experienced, then you can move on to moving it, whether that's something physical or energetic or emotional, talking it out, whatever your process is for letting it go. And then I like to do the reflective process after we've moved it, where we can then say, okay, what did, what, what, where, like, what did I learn out of this? And where did this come from? And why did it matter so much? And what did it show me about myself? What did it show me about the other person? But when we try to like jump through the experiences, when we try to like skip over actually feeling it and just jumping to releasing it, or we try to jump past releasing it and just get to the lesson, we really bypass the whole reason it came in the first place. And if I've learned anything over the last like, you know, 12, 13 years or whatever of spiritual work, it's that if there's a lesson for you, you will continue to experience it until you've learned it. So when you bypass it, you're just, you're, you're shortcutting your way back to repeating the lesson rather than just getting it over with in the first place. Amazing. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. And I, and I think that for so many of us, that's something that we're learning how to do better. And I know that's something I'm learning how to do better, really just trying to be uncomfortable in it and, and, and trying to extract that lesson from it uh, before attempting to release it. Yeah. I wrote the book on it and I'm still learning to do this because this is not, you know, this isn't somewhere where you're going to arrive and be the Zen master of anger. You can write a book on it and still be like pretty angry sometimes. But what I do know is that when we do this work, it's not that we're going to get rid of our anger. That's actually never the end goal because it is a teacher, but we bounce back from it better. We get more out of the experience because we do learn from it. Um, and I think, I think the recovery is the biggest part. Like the fact that like when I used to have like a really big outburst, it would sometimes take me days to be able to recharge the batteries. And now it's like minutes, sometimes, like sometimes hours if it was really bad. But, you know, like sometimes a good 15 minute nap will be enough to give me a reset. That was not possible before. Amazing. Yeah. And I think, yeah, really, really good point. Really recognizing that we're constantly going to be dealing with it. So learning to deal with it in a more constructive and maybe even sustainable way. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So like you said, it's not taking over so much more of your time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, especially because it doesn't feel good. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd love to be able to experience it for as little as possible while still getting what we need out of it. Yeah. And so what, what are you up to outside of your work? Uh, what are some of your important projects or even more like, what do you do so that you're prepared to, to provide this type of work and serve people in this way? It's like the pandemic has kind of changed my whole life in a lot of ways because everything you did for everybody, right? We're not going out and doing the things that we used to do. So I used to be somebody who traveled, who was social, who would run in-person events. And there was really that, that extroverted connection while still having this part of me that was very sensitive that needed to recharge on my own. But um, 
since that has not been the case for over a year now, uh, a lot of my inner practices have been the things that have really sustained me. So I spend time doing like shower meditations almost every single day. Um, I spend a lot of time, I have a beautiful altar actually, and it changes with whatever energies that I'm working with. So I sit with my altar, I'll pull a card, I'll journal on it. Um, and sometimes I'll literally just sit there. Like I've got a little um, selenite lamp, I'll turn it on and I'll just be with it. I spend a lot of time. It's actually part of my office. So I spend a whole lot of time in, in the space, which is also like adorned with like sacred art and crystals. And you, know, you can see in the background, my drum over there, like these are, these are elements of me. And um, this is also where I do all of my energetic practices. So I do a lot of cutting and clearing, especially between client sessions, because I used to be somebody who was a bit energetically codependent and I would take on everybody's stuff and try to carry the burden for them. And I realized that I was doing both of us a disservice because there's a lesson in the energies that we carry and those energies weren't mine. So um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I do everything from like ritual baths to working with the moon, all these different practices that really keep me from taking on other people's stuff and processing their energies on their behalf. Amazing. Thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. And, and for, for people that are looking to build their own rituals and, and routines, especially around emotional well-being, do you have any thoughts on, on where they should maybe start or what they could look at? Mm, so there's so many different ways. And again, like resonance for what feels good for you is the most important. But I'm going to give you like the ultimate beginner's guide to something that anybody can do that is accessible to everybody. And that's working with the new moon and the full moon. They've got completely different energies. The new moon is where we are in the state of darkness. There's no light from the moon itself. And that means that everything that's available is potential. You're just in the space of manifestation, of calling things in, of setting intentions. And so because we enter into this big give or take every 30 days, I like to use that opportunity to say, what do I want to call in this month? What do I want more of in my life? What do I want to make better? What aspects of myself do I want to improve? And I will sit down with the moon and sometimes I'll do it in the bath. So sometimes I'll even just like jot it down on paper or journal it. Um, I also do sometimes these beautiful visualizations where I imagine myself outside where I have these seeds in my hand and each seed is an intention and I plant it in the earth and I have the moon come. And of course, this is all like in my mind's eye. But then in the span of those 30 days, I will also come back to that earth and place my hands on the dirt and give it love and intention and, and attention because that's what we need for our manifestations to grow. And then on the flip side, the full moon where all the illumination is there means that we're in the space for releasing. So if we have now been working this idea of what we're calling in for the last two weeks and now we've got two weeks of releasing, we can say, okay, I've been working on manifesting these aspects of my life and I keep coming up across this resistance, whether it's old thought patterns or belief systems or habits or Maybe it's relationships or energies or different things that we can be carrying that can be getting in the way of calling in the new. And we say, okay, great. I'm going to let that go now. And so we can use those same kind of, that same kind of intentional process under the full moon to release those things. I personally love to work with fire in the full moon. So I'll have you know a little candle. I write down on pieces of paper specifically what I want to release. One piece of paper at a time, I'll say, with burning this paper, I release myself of X. And I set it on fire safely, you know, a little dirt around and everything. Be careful. Fire safety is really important. And uh, I go through this process of just this gentle, beautiful release. And, you know, at the end, it kind of just feels like, okay, great, this is done. So, you know, the two work really well in tandem together. We can't manifest if we don't make space. So by doing the release work, we really open up, we, we create the beautiful fertile field to plant those seeds of intention in in the first place. So the two work really nicely together. And I think if somebody is just beginning, you know, every, everybody's got access to the moon, whether you can see it or not, you can feel it and it's, it's there. And I feel like the more you work with it, 
the more prevalent it becomes. You start to feel, I often will feel it. I'm like, what is going on today? It's really intense. It feels like a full moon. Sure enough, it will be. I don't actually follow the calendar on purpose, but it presents itself all the time, the more of a relationship you build with it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I, and I agree. I think that that's something that anyone can really start with. Um, and, and really recognizing, right, that it's so much easier, right, for you to manifest, to be able to get closer to, to what you can consider success if you're able to put attention on those things. So using the new moon and the full moon to help you sort of structure that, I think can be incredibly helpful. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. So this is, yeah, this has been great. Where can people find out more about you and the amazing work that you do online? Well, I am uh, Serena.ca, Serena with a Y for my website, which has all of my services on there and sacredangerbook.com. We'll talk about the book specifically. And on most social media channels, I am at Serena Myers. So it's easy to find me there. Amazing. And I'll make sure I put that in the description as well. So thank you so much for joining me today. Um, It's always a pleasure to have a chance to connect. I love sharing space with you. You're amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with your friends. We can continue this conversation on social media. The links to my socials, so that is LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find them in the show notes. If you tag me in a story and include the hashtag, hashtag AskAkua, I will share a special little gift with you. Thank you so much once again for your time, and I cannot wait to share my next episode with you. Stay safe and sane.